flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo Mapepe on SAFM. I remember distinctly in September last year where we had a conversation with Nombulelo Shange from Kofsis, that's the University of the Free State, and she had written an opinion piece about how African knowledge systems should be built into the way knowledge is produced, the way healthcare systems are run, and how new technologies are built. She's back again and she says, although a lot more needs to be done, we are seeing a rise in African intellectuals, practices and solutions in the academy. She's seeing this in the calls for decolonized education, which has emphasized the importance of Southern African scholarly contributions locally as well as internationally. She also makes reference to our day-to-day lives where we see the shift towards reclaiming African solutions to deal with modern-day challenges. She's a lecturer in the Department of Sociology at the University of the Free State. Ms. Nombulelo Shange is on the line. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Sanyazo. Thank you for having me. Thank you indeed. So can you confirm to us that Umshonyana, Artemisia, is more acceptable <laughs> now in the formally formal education, I mean formal healthcare systems now, a year on, than perhaps the last time we had a conversation to that effect? I mean, I can't really speak to that because I think there still isn't, like, adequate studies being done on herbs like umshonyana and even Mm -hmm. other herbs and their usefulness, not only in fighting against COVID-19, but also in assisting with other um, illnesses and issues that uh, people have. Uh, But I think from a lot of people's um, accounts of using the herbs, and how um, it, 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 it assisted them, especially during the, the bigger waves, uh, one can arguably say that it's, it's a, a very important tool in helping to aid the fight against COVID-19. I want you to focus on the part where you say in your article, in our day-to-day lives, there is a considerable and seismic shift, if you will, insofar as even just this time last year where people were not so open about what they do, which is not mainstream, if I can put it that way, mainstream in the eyes of Western media and things that are incidental Mm -hmm. and consistent with whatever might be referred to as Western media. Whereas now people are engaging themselves, their identity, their culture, their traditions, Formerly, perhaps some being referred to as taboo, even barbaric in distasteful instances, people now a lot more open and even comfortable to do that. What is that shift? What do you attribute that shift to? And where can you cite examples where spaces that were just exclusively non-receptive to these sorts of things actually engaging in those sorts of things and even embracing those sorts of things? Um, I think the shift has has been a long time coming, even beyond COVID. I think, especially in the university space, I speak about the university space because it's mainly my context, uh, with the growing calls for decolonized education. uh, We see more and more um, students and even lecturers starting to explore different alternatives, either in the teaching methodologies or even in the knowledge in and of itself in terms of what is it that we present to the students? Are we presenting the Western narrative or the African narrative or is it a combination of the two? There's been a gradual move from us always um, taking on whatever is coming from the West and, you know, kind of, you know, imparting it on our students as if it's the only um, available truth or the only... 
um, sort of important knowledge system. So definitely in the in the in the educational space and in my context, I'm seeing a great um, shift and a transition. But arguably also in healthcare as well, um, where you know officially, unofficially, some doctors were even. Um, sharing to say if you have access to Mkhonyana, particularly during the, I think the December, um, um, the, the, the December second wave, you know, encouraging people to steam with it, to mix it even with other things like veggies and to, you know, eat your garlics and all your multivitamins and all of that as a sort of way to like aid the like holistic kind of form of healing. So I think there's different shifts and changes in, in different spaces where you look. But more than that, I think there's also just good old common sense in researching the value that nature offers to us. I'll use myself as an example. Of course, we're dealing with COVID-19 right now. And simply because they medically and clinically anyway, there isn't something that is known to cure this thing. It's just mm. a question of managing the condition once one contracts it. Mm. Of course, the vaccine does do its work. But up until the vaccine era, we were certainly being encouraged to look after our immune systems. And with that, the mm. conversation changed to vitamin Cs and using what typically had been always done in the let me open close quote say the traditional African spaces the benefits for instance of just using eucalyptus tree leaves mm. I literally go around pick up a branch of a eucalyptus <laughs> tree put it in my vehicle and just yeah. boil it in the house and sort of let the steam take care of things in the house if that should become entrenched as our everyday behavior where we access nature and learn of what nature can and does do for us how do you think this will advance if you consider the outlook on African systems at large, the health benefits, and in a way taking care of access to healthcare, which remains utopian for many, because healthcare, mm. whilst it is available in the public sector, really the type of healthcare one really is looking for is typically found in the mm. private healthcare. Unfortunately, that comes at a cost. I think there's a lot of benefit that can be derived from that kind of advancement. Um, I think for one, um, it, it can teach us a lot about nature, which I think is very important when you look at our current um, um, context of the environmental degradation that's happening globally. So if we can understand the link and the bond that we have with nature, that you know, if, if we protect such and such a plant or such and such a, a root or whatever it is, um, th that natural source kind of gives back to us, either in terms of food or in terms of healing. So I think that's a very important um, bond for us to restore. But I think also importantly, it can it can put our sciences and our knowledge systems on the same plane and the same level as um, whatever global standards or discourses that are going on. And the sad thing is that often globally, um, people recognize our sciences and knowledge systems, but often in a way of, you know, extracting and exploiting um, almost as a commodity that they then take back to wherever they are. And this happened um, with one case uh, of hoodia, for instance, and they work the plants or the herbs or whatever it is, and they come and they resell it back to us in the form of a pill. And we end up trusting that science and that knowledge over our own, whereas ours is often um, pure. It often has uh, again, a better closeness and connection to the environment and understanding that 
um, you can't take in ways that exploit, in ways that can't advance you in the future as well. Whereas that kind of thinking and mindset is missing in a lot of Western discourse, which is predominantly revolving around capitalism, profit, extraction, and exploitive ways. So I think those are some of the benefits of, of, of really trying to invest in these kinds of ways of, of thinking, of learning, and prioritizing knowledge systems. Not only are we going to shift the discourse globally, but I think we can also start to even change issues around poverty here in the country mm-hmm. and in different African contexts, because a lot of this knowledge is held and owned by people who are living in very difficult, harsh, um, rural contexts, um, who are living even in Lokshini at times where they, 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 they possess this knowledge, but they don't understand, you know, the kind of wealth and value that, that could come from it. And they see it as just like a silly cultural practice. It might be important for their day-to-day lives, but they don't see it as important for um, the, great, the greater masses. And so I think from the side of, of government, from the side of even grant funders, there's a lot more work that needs to be done in, in, in exploring these kinds of practices, but also not in ways that it has been done before, where a researcher comes in and takes the knowledge and doesn't come back to sort of collaborate with that community or um, give back to that community. It needs to be done really in ways that give the knowledge and the access to the knowledge, you know, to the community where it, it remains within the community rather than being taken away and housed in a university or in a Western institution or now it belongs to Professor so-and-so. Um, yeah. But African epistemology is almost very much antithetical to how we mainstream information and knowledge. It's, 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 it's very different. It is knowledge. It is useful. It is practically mm. practicable for those who house it. But how the knowledge itself is generated and transferred is very different different almost fundamentally to the mainstreams mm. of how knowledge is housed packaged and distributed mm. how do we then make compensation or allowance for that inherent difference when we talk about the african epistemology yeah. versus the western epistemologies you've got 10 to 15 seconds for this answer it's very tricky and i don't want to be prescriptive i want to say that i think what would be important is for the conversation to happen in a bottom-up way how do the communities who own this knowledge feel like that should happen. Bottom-up approach, I think that's an important start. Certainly. Thank you so much for your thoughts there, Ms. Nombule Loshange. I don't think we'll have to wait until next year to have a follow-up conversation. All the best. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.